Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, right here on your community radio station. We're so happy to have you along here at Forward Radio 106.5 FM, or maybe you're listening to our live stream at forwardradio.org. Even if you're not, check us out online because that's the way you can become a part of this station that we built for the people by the people. We'd love to get you, the people, behind these microphones as a guest or doing a one-time act hour, or maybe you're ready for a weekly program like mine, click on participate at forwardradio.org. And hey, chip in a few bucks, click the donate button. We rely entirely on your contributions to stay on the air. And it's a great steal at only $20 a day to cover the basic expenses of the station. So we can make this happen together at forwardradio.org. Well, what we do here on Sustainability Now each week is bring in folks from around the community who are already engaged in the work of sustainability to Give us some insights into how it is already happening now and the many ways we can even do better. Uh, I'm ex so excited to get into the studio. Uh, someone who I haven't had the chance to meet yet, but we've had some great uh, connections over email. And I, I learned about Ayana Burton through uh, U of L. Welcome, Ayana, to the station. Yes, thank you for having me. It's so good to have you here. Ayana is the 2022 Outstanding Student in UofL's Sustainability Master's Program, but she graduated in December, right? Correct. And you also went to UofL for undergrad in communication, right? Yes. And now Ayana is working at Wilderness Louisville through the end of June and then going to move on to Schneider Electric in July in a new sustainability consulting leadership program. This is all, such an exciting moment to talk to someone like you in this sort of transition from higher ed to the work world and sustainability. I get so many questions from people all the time about what kind of careers are there in sustainability and what would my life just after graduation look like? So this is like perfect moment to talk to you. So welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're more than just your education, obviously, uh, but introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, hi everyone. I'm Ayana. Um, so it's it's actually interesting uh, with you talking about kind of transitioning into the work world because when I was uh, finishing up my undergrad, um, that was my question. I knew I wanted to pursue higher education, but I was a little bit scared. And it's funny enough, um, I had a meeting with. Uh, you know, someone within the Masters of Communication program at school. And I don't know, I just kind of like left that meeting feeling just down. And as mm. I was leaving the meeting, I look um, at the wall and I see a flyer for this brand new um, interdisciplinary studies program. Really? Yeah. So I met with the director and, you know, as someone that is, you know, a calm undergrad, I'm like, well, it sounds cool, but how am I going to get a job? Like, how do I even fit into that? Mm. So, um, I don't know. I just, it's just kind of crazy how <laughs> I started as calm. I'm still working in calm, you know, pretty much, but I've also been able to incorporate sustainability. So that's been really cool. So if I may go back to your college time, like what made you get into communication? Why, why was that something? What drew you to it? I don't know. Um, I guess, uh, I've always been really passionate about, um, you know, civil rights and just making sure we all know how to talk to people. Um, yeah. I had a lot of um, like African-American comm classes. And what I was finding is a lot of people, they just don't know how to talk to each other. And when you don't know how to talk to each other, you just 
are only able to see differences right? Um, and you can't really uh, connect on what you have in common. Right. So I kind of wanted to be a bit of um, a bridge, if you will. Um, so I think that's how I got my start in that. Oh. And then I just became really interested in like, uh, you know, like communication styles and yeah. love language and, you know, digital communication and social media. And I just kind of... Um, I don't know. I've just been kind of rocking ever since. That's great. Can we dive into social media a little bit before we get into sustainability too? Because yes, I mean, it's it seems like I'm not a huge social media user, so I'm not personally exposed to this a lot. But I hear interviews with people all the time who talk about sort of the the hate filled nature of a lot of the social media platforms and how those platforms are failing to protect vulnerable people or prevent hate speech and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, like, is this something inherent about the platforms or are we just in sort of these early stages where someone like you who has studied this might think we'll get to a place where it's better regulated somehow? Or is this just a fundamental piece of the new reality? I think it's a bit of like everything, yeah. uh, I guess, just kind of the way I feel like whenever um, I interact with people on social media, I notice that whatever, um, you know, it's an algorithm, right? So whatever I'm attracted to and whatever I'm looking up, that's what's going to find me. Right. So I found if I keep a very, you know, positive attitude and I keep positive people in my life, generally what I'm going to find on social media is more positive things, okay. a lot more um, loving, um, not so much hater um, mm. energy. Uh, huh. So I definitely try to do that. But um, I have noticed like... Um, Example, um, I was uh, I was in New York with my sister a few months ago and we got stopped by this guy uh, on the street and uh, he has this uh, Instagram page watching New York. And, you know, he was just kind of asking us about our clothes. And, huh. you know, for me, it was a really cool moment. But whenever um, we got um, we got back home here. People were like, oh, we don't even we didn't even like what you wore. Like, I don't even know why you were on there. So I think, you know, it's like instead of people, you know, hyping you up and being happy for this moment for you, the people, you know, are negative and can be haters. So I think it's I think it's a bit of both. But I think it's about how, you know, you utilize the platform and what you're on there for. Um, I'm social media fanatic you can ask anyone i know it's kind of a problem but you know tiktok has been a really you know awesome platform for promoting sustainability really i've seen yeah i've seen a lot of really cool um content and content creators um on instagram um oh. tiktok you know you know five tips on how to be uh, more sustainable um what are you know better uh, clothing brands to shop at that are more sustainable. So I think you can learn a lot on there. You just kind of have to, you know, know how to navigate the haters on there. Yeah. So it's almost like we need a new part of our education system that's devoted to like, well, I suppose it's just basic communication skills that then are applied to social media, right? Like we don't we don't, where do we learn these skills? Like our, do our parents probably aren't teaching them to us, right? And our educational system might not. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, I mean, as a comm major, I took a lot of classes that showed me how to interact on social media, but I feel like because it's becoming so ingrained in our culture, in yeah. our society, I think it doesn't need to be so niche and specific to comm majors. Mm. I think everyone, that should be at least 
in general education somewhere yeah because i've noticed that you know from people that are older than me i'll get one of the two like you get the old like the oversharers on facebook (laughs) who are like my dog did a cool trick today and then their friends are laughing at it or you get the older people that are like maybe you shouldn't post everything on there. And then it's like you're posting about your graduation. So it's just, it just, I don't know. We, I think we all just need a little brush up on how to communicate with each other. And I also feel like, um, even though I find that people are generally nice people on social media, there are a lot of internet trolls. Right. And people have the courage to say things that they would never say in real life. Right, right, right. So any, I, I don't want to spend all our time talking about this. I know we could talk about it forever, but any quick yeah. tips for our listeners about being a good social media user? If you wouldn't say it in person, don't put it online. Like, I don't feel like that is, you know, a gold nugget of knowledge, but I also feel like it needs yeah. to be said. Yeah. If you wouldn't say it in person, don't say it online just because people are just an avatar on Instagram doesn't mean there's a person behind there's that that doesn't have there. feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So um, definitely um, be more mindful about, you know, what you're saying to each other and be more mindful about what you're posting. Like, I'm, I fall guilty to it, but <laughs> you don't need to post everything you do on Instagram. <laughs> like, if you're drinking a cup of coffee, great. Enjoy, Enjoy your coffee. Read a book. <laughs> we don't need to know. So I'm kind of preaching to myself here. But, you know, as I learn, I can share with you. So Yeah. Well, I think that's also just a fundamental nature of the technology, which used to be to access all this, you had to sit down at a computer, and now it's always with you. And there's an addiction piece to it, right? Like people just cannot help themselves but look at their phone. And once you do, you're in Inspired to like, oh, I want to participate, and I'll. What am I doing? I'll just take a picture of this coffee, like you mentioned. So anyway, uh, that's probably enough about social media. Even though we could go on forever, so t- tell me about the transition then to studying sustainability and what really drew you into that. Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned, whenever um, I had my meeting about the interdisciplinary um, studies program that I was in, I was kind of like, okay, you know, this sounds awesome, but. You know, me as a comm major, where do I fit into that? Mm-hmm. And um, kind of just the way that I do it, I just kind of just dive in. <laughs> so um, my director, you know, she was saying, she's like, oh, of course there's a place for you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what can I do? So I just started attending, uh, you know, different meetings mm-hmm. around town. Um, I got an invitation to, I believe it was called the Earth Stewardship Initiative, Um and something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, don't get me on the name but um (laughs) something like that and what i found is i met a landscape architect and i kind of told him that you know i'm a comm major i'm just recently trying to get into this and he was saying he was like oh my god we need people like you because we can talk about science all day but we don't know how to translate the information and the importance to the general public so that's where people like you come in and um just kind of from that, I was like, okay, like maybe maybe I do fit into this. So my last semester of undergrad, I just kind of dove in and took on a few different internships um, with some, you know, prominent figures around town to try to learn everything that I could. And I really think that that's kind of the best way to do it. I mean, if you want to help your community, you need to know what's going on in it and be yeah. active. So 
Yeah, you were intern with the Partnership for Green City? Yes, that was, um, so my very first internship um, was with an urban planner, and then I was with um, KWA, Kentucky Waterways Alliance. Nice. It's, a, it's a nonprofit here. And then uh, whenever I started grad school, I was the sustainable communication intern with Partnership for a Green City. Yeah. And um, for those of you who don't know what that is, that is a... Uh, cooperation between um, the University of Louisville, JCTC, Louisville Metro, and JCPS. Yeah, the four biggest public institutions in town, right? And right. That, I think it was founded in like 2004 or something mm -hmm. like that. And the whole idea was, look, we all know we need to move away from our unsustainable practices, but we need to, to reach out a hand to each other as these big public institutions to to try and work together to learn from each other, collaborate, do things like joint purchasing contracts to increase our purchasing power, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that has really helped, I think, move the whole city forward uh, by having these big institutions that touch a lot of people in a lot of different ways uh, working together on sustainability. So what a great thing to get exposed to in an internship. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly they, they need help with communication too, right? So that must have been quite eye-opening yeah and um it's actually what i did my capstone on and that's kind of what oh, um nice. made me interested in scientific communication because you know it's one thing to hear from people that you're needed but right. it's another thing to kind of see where the disconnect is and how you can be a part of fixing right. that mm -hmm. right so as you were entering into these sustainability spaces, you must have noticed that they are disproportionately white spaces. I don't know if they're disproportionately male or female, but were there things about your identity uh, that made you a little like uncertain? Is this for me or maybe the reverse? I, boy, I have something big to contribute here. Um, you know, um, initially it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, like this is a very white space. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's Louisville. I mean, <laughs> you know, we are diverse, but we're really not like that diverse. So I'm, you know, obviously I'm used to being around white people, but I think it's, you know, when you're choosing a career path, you don't think that that's going to be the majority of the people. And you don't think that, you know, you're going to school like everyone else. You're taking the test. You're doing the internships. You're doing everything the same yeah. as everyone else. But yet you hear things like, wow, that's so impressive <laughs> from for someone of your background. Oh, wow. And, wow, that's so impressive because there's not too many people like you in the field. Mm. And it's like, yes, I know it's all true, <laughs> but it would be nice if one area of your life, it could just be like, yes, you worked hard like everybody else, you know? So um, I, I definitely did notice, um, you know, there wasn't too many of me yeah. in the field, but um, I'm as I've been, you know, branching into it and really learning and trying to just throw myself into it, I'm finding that it's kind of exciting. Um, I was talking to a friend's mom and she was saying that, she was like, don't think of it that way. Like you're a trailblazer. So I've just kind of tried to adopt that attitude with everything that I do and just say, well, if I don't do it, someone else might do it, but they might not. So let me just do what I want to do and maybe give someone else the courage to branch out and do yeah. it themselves. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I honor all trailblazers. That, that is important work. You're absolutely right. And I see the need as I work on sustainability at UofL for greater diversity. I always say that the only way out of this unsustainable solution a situation is through diversity, right? And it's ecological and human diversity. And so we need people from all backgrounds to help make this transition happen because it's about 
culture change and our cultures matter, right? And so all of that is so important. Let me quickly reintroduce you. Uh, my guest in the studio today is Ayanna Burton, our 2022 Outstanding Student in UofL's Sustainability Master's Program, who graduated back in December uh, and is now just starting, dipping the toe into the work world of sustainability. Uh, and we're talking about uh, what that transition looks like and what it's like for a woman of color to be doing that. And let's talk about some of the things I know you're passionate about in sustainability like the whole fashion world fast fashion is such a thing now right yes and uh <laughs> if my friends are listening to this <laughs> don't say a word but you know it's it's interesting because i do i do fall into the fast fashion trap sometimes mm. but i acknowledge it and i try to be better and I think that is the first thing that I want to talk about with uh, fast fashion. Don't let people guilt you if you slip up. Oh. Because um, for my first semester of grad school, we had uh, we got the chance to do a student forum, and I chose uh, sustainable fashion and kind of the behavioral reasons as to why people know that it's wrong, but they still. <laughs> choose fast fashion and what i'm finding is individuality you know people want to express their individuality Always, yeah. and for me i've been able to say okay well if i go to the thrift store the likelihood of someone else having the same thing is very low but at the same time i am very active on social media i like to keep up with the trends so sometimes i do fall guilty to the fast fashion trap so as long as you are trying your best and you try to find a balance, mm. I think that is what is most important. Mm. So, Can you define fast fashion for my listeners who may not even be familiar with the concept? So I, I'm just going to give my definition. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I believe fast fashion <laughs> is just very poorly made clothing mm. that is only made to keep up with the trend at the time. Right. It's not really made to you know, withstand the test of time. It's just made to keep up with what's cool in that time period. So kind of like fast food, a little bit not nourishing for the soul, but it's something that we want to stay on trend. We want, <laughs> we see the next thing coming. We want to be a part of it. Uh, so what are some ways other than balance to try and tackle this in our lives? Um, I found that if you go to the thrift store, Chances are they will have the fast fashion brands because I recently went thrifting and I think, you know, being fresh out of college, it's not, yes, I want to be sustainable, but I also want to save some money, but I, yeah. I want to yeah. keep up with the trends. So I went thrifting and I was very shocked by the amount of name brand things that I found for fraction of the price of the regular, huh. but still in very good condition. So I guess a tip would be, uh, Go thrifting. Go thrifting. Please go thrifting. Um, also, um, if you don't want to go thrifting in your neighborhood, try secondhand websites. Um, ThreadUp mm. is really good. Depop is really good. If you want to own a bunch of stuff, don't because you're going to get clutter. Um, <laughs> but if you have clothes and you want to get new ones, maybe consider becoming um a seller on Depop, make a little bit of money, uh, or donate. Donate yeah. your um, items to, 
you know, you can donate donate to a thrift store or you could even donate to some local churches or yeah. some different shelters. I think that that's a good idea. So those would be my suggestions um, outside of balance. You know what my wife does? She participates in this sort of sharing circle where they have a box of clothes that they just rotate around from household and like every month it'll appear on our front porch and she'll get a chance to like refresh her wardrobe, get rid of anything she doesn't want and pass it on. And that's the that's such a neat model in my mind to like a, a, another way with no money, right? Without contributing to the problem of fast fashion to to stay current or or just change it up because everybody doesn't want their wardrobe to be stale right correct yeah yeah well and why does this matter so much i mean apart from the maybe the you you mentioned poorly made clothes that aren't going to last very long but what what are some other concerns like what would more sustainable fashion look like do you think um so i guess when i was doing my research I found that a lot of the fast fashion um, items had microplastics in them. Yeah. <laughs> and the microplastics, they get in the water, that gets into your body, that hurts not only you, but it hurts the environment. Yeah. So um, I would guess maybe, sorry, what was your question? <laughs> Just like what more sustainable fashion would look like. Um, I guess... Maybe it would look like just more durable material. Mm -hmm. um, part of going thrifting, I do tend to spend a little bit more money on the older Levi's or the older Lee's, but they're in good quality condition. Yeah. They're durable. They're not going to rip. Mm -hmm. They're going to withstand the washer machine. You yeah. know, I would say, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. I think air drying your clothes is also great. Like no energy, no pollution involved in drying your clothes, mm -hmm. no cost. And they last longer, too, when you don't put them through the dryer. So that's another yes. another solution. I've had some people say that if we overwash our clothes, too. Maybe I guess that's a personal choice. But, you know, like yeah. there are ways to just manage your own clothes so that they last longer and to look for things that are more durable or maybe raised more sustainably, uh, whether it's organic or made of recycled fibers and those kinds of things. Um, do you do you have any, you mentioned a few websites. Are there any places in town you look for more sustainable fashion or online? Well, I can give you all my favorite secondhand stores. There you go. Um, Vintage Vibe, that is my favorite secondhand store. It can be a little bit pricey, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, anything that's not $3 for me is pricey. So um, definitely Vintage Vibe is my favorite. I also really like uh, Vintage Banana. And yeah. my new favorite has been the Fleur de Flea. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is my spot. Like, I find the best stuff there. Um, Forecastle was this past weekend. And I really wanted a pair of cowboy boots because I had a really cool Western themed outfit in right. my mind so i went to fleur de flea and everyone at their booths have some sort of cowboy boots. really and i got a really cool pair of brown and white boots and i think they're super cool but again that was a sustainable option to go i didn't have to order anything online i could go in person and see it so i would say those are my three favorites outside of the uh, goodwill on hearstborn there you go. That's my favorite goodwill. <laughs> Everybody's got a favorite goodwill, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, another thing I know that, and you mentioned it earlier, is um, the importance of scientific communication. I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more about that and get some of your thoughts about how 
you know, like you said, like science has been very clear about a lot of things in sustainability, and yet it doesn't seem to move the needle at all. So what has happened? Why is that? Uh, is there is there been a shift where people don't trust historic authorities as much as they used to? And what can we do about those kinds of things? So I think, I guess a shift that I've noticed, people have more of a sense of individual uh, responsibility and accountability. I think before, um, part of the behavioral reasons as to why people knew it was wrong, but still choose um, to do things that are not technically sustainable is because they just see it as, oh, well, I'm one person. Like, my little bit of what I'm doing is not going to make much of a yeah, difference. But right. I don't think people realize how many individuals adopt that same mindset. And when you get all these individuals adopting that same mindset, it does, you know, make a difference. Of course, you're not a corporation, but, you know, you do you do make an impact. So um, I would say people um, understand that a little bit clearer now. And there's more of um, an individual sense of responsibility. Um, and I think also people don't trust authority that the way that they did before. Um, I think social media, going back to it, um, <laughs> I think that has kind of helped because we can see online that, you know, we don't have to accept that the only place we can get clothes is from, you know, the mall or a fast fashion right. store. We do have options. People are creating resources where we can shop secondhand. Right. Um, you know, we can have community gardens, you know, we can't, we don't have to have our food go to waste. We can participate in different programs around town. I know that, um, during the pandemic, especially, I didn't want to leave the house. So yeah. I joined, um, I think it was called imperfect foods or oh, something yeah. like that. And yeah. I think just the concept of that is like, if the food doesn't look like supermarket quality, they'll ship it to your door. So I always had, you know, fresh produce. If I didn't want it to go to waste, cause you know, I'm just one person, I can give it to my friends, I can give it to my family. So just really knowing that you have options and you don't have to accept what you've been fed your whole life. Like you can, you have the power to change. You're the only person that can control what you do. Mm. So just make sure that if it is something that's in your control, change it. Yeah. Yeah. And the internet has also given us like theoretically access to all the information we need. Like mm -hmm. if, if it's known, it's on the internet somewhere. Right. But how do we filter that out, actual facts and scientific research, from all the disinformation? Right I think, well, for me, um, I've been in school for so long that now that I'm not, I still find myself, if I have a question, I'm still going to utilize the U of L library because I still have access to that. Oh, nice. If you don't have, you know, if you're not in school and you just are really interested in things, um, Google Scholar is always a good option. I would definitely suggest checking out peer-reviewed journals versus a comment section on a video. <laughs> right. I mean, right. it sounds simple, but, you know, definitely. From a user who calls himself Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> Correct. Just, just make sure, you know, you're being smart. And if you are watching a video because you don't feel like reading, make sure you know the credentials of the person that's speaking. Right. Anybody right. can give their opinion. It's one of the things that make us human. We all have opinions. It's something that we all have. But, right. of course, opinions are not facts. So make sure that you know who you're listening to. Make sure that you're doing your research. 
and make sure you're making an active effort to um, really discern the information. Well, and on the flip side, I think scientists have a responsibility to start communicating differently, right? Like mm -hmm. if they want their research and their findings to really have an impact on people today, just publishing in peer-reviewed journals is not sufficient anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some effective ways you've seen scientists, especially in the sustainability space, communicating to the public? So um, going back to social media, uh, um, on TikTok, what I find really interesting is a lot of doctors um, actually have, you know, um, their own sort of pages and oh, yeah. they make it catchy, like five things you can do to be more sustainable or... Um, like example, I've seen like dermatologists, they'll be like five tips um, on how to have clearer skin. You know, mm -hmm. I think if you understand people want to learn, they just don't want to learn in the conventional setting, yeah. trying to branch out and see what you as a scientist or someone of like yeah. higher education can do to reach out to the general public. And that's kind of why I take such an interest in scientific communication because I am a comm major. Uh, and when I first got into sustainability, I was so confused. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was like, what is a brownfield? Why are there three different parts of sustainability? There's too much going on. I'm stressed out. <laughs> it was just too much for me. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I watched a lot of YouTube, <laughs> went on Instagram because that is the language I speak. Like, that's easy for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I'm speaking today with Ayanna Burton. She graduated from UofL in December with a master's in sustainability and was recently awarded our outstanding student in that program for the year um, and currently working at uh, Wilderness Louisville, which we should talk about in a minute, uh, and then going to be moving on in the work world to Schneider Electric, which is a lot of great sustainability stuff happening there. We're talking today about sustainable fashion and scientific communication uh, and another thing I know you're really passionate about is green space accessibility and equity. How did that, was that part of like a personal thing you, you experienced? Mm -hmm. I would say it was personal. So I've lived in Louisville the majority of my life, but yeah. I am from Florida and I always, uh, you know, I grew up being able to go to the beach and being able right. to go to the parks. And when I moved here, you know, there's parks here, but there was no beach. So what, that, <laughs> nothing that I can change. Um, but um, I don't think I realized until uh, I went off to college and I moved to Old Louisville that parks are not around every corner. Mm. Um, and even if they are around every corner, they're not well maintained. Um, I've lived on the, like on the East End um, since I moved here. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I was like, wow, like, Everyone deserves access to this, and mm. for some reason, everyone doesn't have access to it. Yeah. And um, that's why I really am passionate about the nonprofit that I work for now, Wilderness Louisville, because you know the main goal is to increase green space um, accessibility okay. to um, West End residents. Uh, we have an initiative, the West Louisville Outdoor Recreation Initiative, um, and that was, I believe, in 2016, and that is just a plan to increased green space accessibility and um there are two parks um chickasaw park and shawnee park such and there's, great parks yeah, yeah there's such good parks there's a lot of really cool things going on and i think the work is really just to um, increase the capacity to do that so that's kind of where i come in i'm the development coordinator uh, i write grants 
I'm working on the social media campaign. Uh, I kind of work a lot with, uh, you know, community outreach specialists and people within the park system so I can learn more about the problem and um, really learn how to tell the story and how to get people and funders wanting to be on our side and yeah. wanting to donate to the cause. Talk a little bit more about what you know are some of the barriers for people, especially in the West End or other marginalized communities, to access green space. So I know that um, with Chickasaw and Shawnee Park, those parks were, you know, initially uh, for African-American residents. So I feel like over the years, they have been, you know, severely neglected. You can see the big differences. So a lot of people don't have the same attractive qualities as maybe a park you might find on the east end. Um, if, for example, when I moved here, we would go to Tom Sawyer Park a lot. Mm. I love that park. Um, my favorite park is Cherokee Park. I go there at least two, three times a week. Um, yeah. And those are very well-maintained parks. But when you go to parks like Chickasaw Park and Shawnee Park, it's just, it's not the same. They're not maintained the same. And there's a lot of cool things going on at the park, but it just takes so much more effort mm. um, to get those really cool amenities there. For example, the boat ramp at yeah, talk Shawnee about Park. It's really cool. Um, it was actually just completed in uh, 2021. and it's, Can people rent boats there? I don't know about that okay. part, um, okay. but I know that I've seen like a lot of people that do have canoes. Yeah. Um, you know. They just launch into the Ohio River. Into the Ohio River. Is that intimidating? Mm -hmm. Have you done it? I have not. Um, okay. I've done like a few different like park, well, river cleanups, but uh -huh. not um, not in Louisville. Yeah, okay. We went to, we went to uh, Frankfurt, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and definitely not here. But, I mean, it is intimidating. Like, I was, <laughs> I was canoeing, and luckily my partner let me be in the front because uh -huh. um, I don't know how to steer. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a lot of responsibility back there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it definitely it was intimidating. Um, yeah. And it can be intimidating. It's so. a working river. Like, there's big ships out there, but uh, but people do. People do paddle in the Ohio, and I'm glad to see it's becoming more accessible at, at Shawnee. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some of the grants you've been working on? Like, what ways does... Uh, wilderness louisville try and increase access for people so i think hmm, what grants have i been working on um <laughs> not to bring work into the studio yeah, I, <laughs> I mean i think a lot of it we're just trying to build uh capacity okay right now um our ultimate goal is the um shawnee outdoor learning center um oh. which it would be located at shawnee park um and basically it would just be this really amazing building and a really amazing opportunity to not only bring jobs to West Louisville residents, nice. but also to bring, um, you know, outdoor education and recreation to residents within um, West Louisville. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it would be a really amazing center. So really, we're just trying to uh, raise money for that, um, for the actual structure itself. Yeah. And after that's funded, we are looking to raise money to hire staff so that, yeah. you know, we can make all of these amazing programs come to life. And then also we're trying to raise money 
for it to be sustainable long term so nice. i think those are the things we're trying to raise money for right now and we also uh, support the louisville echo program which is the um, engaging children outdoors yeah. program and it's a really awesome program they go to um, some different schools um, elementary schools in west mm -hmm. louisville i think they work specifically with uh, fourth graders and you know they take them on trips like i think uh, they went to red river gorge nice. um they go to like a few different parks around here and there are environmental educators that kind of get to show kids that there are careers in um, sustainability and the outdoors yeah. and environmental work and that if you engage with your local green space you can kind of create this lifelong appreciation for nature that children um, in West Louisville or from um, disadvantaged areas would not experience otherwise. Okay. So I think it's really great work and I'm really grateful to be with them. And even after I move on to my new job, I really am going to still be involved because it really is great work. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I can't, that Shawnee Outdoor Education Center, like there's, is there anything else like that in Louisville? Maybe the visitor center at Jefferson Memorial is serves that function a little bit, but this would be right accessible in downtown like that is so needed my goodness mm -hmm. very cool i'm glad i'm so glad you're doing that and the, the impact of exposure to nature is so valuable for our mental health our physical health mm -hmm. obviously and then our you know we only protect what we love so how can we expect people to take action for sustainability if they haven't even been exposed to you know fall in love with nature right yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. And, you know, like I mentioned, I'm from Florida and I had that inherent love of nature. You know, my mom had that inherent love of nature. My grandma did, and, you know, it's all just been passed down. But if you don't have um, a means to pass it down or if, or if not passing it down, giving a like children a way to be exposed to it yeah. then they just can't have that same passion so really just working to figure out ways how to expose them to nature and how to become the best environmental store they can be is really invaluable in my opinion yeah all right so we've mentioned what's next for you tell us about schneider electric i'm i'm familiar with it but maybe our listeners have no idea what, what's going on there so uh, it's just kind of i don't know it's kind of interesting um I asked my internship director my final semester of grad school. I was like, I kind of need a job <laughs> now. Uh, you know, what are some um, some things I could do? What are some companies I can reach out to? And he connected me to a woman at Schneider, and I reached out to her and kind of told her that I was a recent graduate um, and that I was needing a job and if she knew of anything. And I knew that Schneider... Um, you know they're not like your typical company they actually they are an international company yeah. they have like a goal to be uh, net zero uh, they tried to push sustainable initiatives they tried to um, push different corporations to be more sustainable and that's just not something that I had seen in the mm. corporate world before mm. because I really wanted to get into um, ethical fashion but I didn't uh, didn't really know 
if I could really see myself doing that long term right. or if it would even be worthwhile working with a corporation that already values the same things as me because I really um, I want to go into a corporation to make a change. Um, so that's kind of how I got exposed to it. That's kind of all that I have right now because I haven't started the job yet. Yeah. So I don't really have um, any information. I don't really know what to expect, but um, I've already met some of my new coworkers. And oh, nice. Everyone's been pretty awesome. So I'm really excited to start and see um, kind of what my place would be in the company. Wow. And it's a new sustainability consulting leadership program they have? Yeah, it's brand new. So wow. I, um, I guess this is the first year they're doing it. And uh, they are like, I know that a lot of my coworkers here, they all are relocating uh, from <laughs> wherever they live. So I think it's going to be a big deal. And I think uh, it's a two year program. So you just are going to be learning um, three different leadership roles within the company. And I think it's their way to recruit early talent. So I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to start. Wow. Do you see yourself staying in Louisville or do you have aspirations to leave us? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I get this question a lot. I and, know. I know. It's always a tough one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think I just have so many things I want to do. Like mm. in my mind, it's just weird. Like I, in my mind, I'm this like hiker van life traveler <laughs> and then i'm also the kind that's like i don't want to be away from my bed i want to go <laughs> home i like things the way that i like it i don't love change so uh, okay you know i don't i don't really know what the future holds for me but i think if i were to move somewhere i'm gonna be cliche i would go out west mm -hmm. a lot of people do i have been told i'm very pnw for those who don't know <laughs> That's Pacific Northwest. I took it as a compliment. That's right. Um, but I'm headed there next week, so I love the place. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if all goes well, maybe trying to get relocated out west, maybe try to go out of the country. I've never been. Don't oh. even have a passport yet. I know. Oh. Pause for shock. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm way late. So Post-COVID, maybe that's the thing. To yeah. Do. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me, yeah. but... Um, I would like to travel at least. So. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, we're nearly at the end of our time. This has been such a treat. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you were really hoping to share while I had you here in the studio? I would like to share a few little bits of advice. Oh, great. Oh, great. Sometimes I give unsolicited advice, but I feel like this would all be very helpful. This is perfect. So I would say network, network, network. <laughs> Please network. I know that people in um, a science-based field, whether depending on the branch of um, sustainability that you're in, sometimes it might be harder for you to talk to people, but yeah. you never know what cool things other people are doing unless you ask and i know for me when i was first entering um sustainability i was very lost because mm. i had no previous experience in it so really just kind of you know trying to not be as shy and ask people <laughs> what's going on and how they can help me because i think we all have our strengths we just have to learn how to lean on each other a little bit and i would also say first impressions are so important ooh, ooh, um yeah so in 2019 i had it was my very first event that i had worked for the nonprofit that i was interning yeah. for and a few months ago actually someone that had met me at that event tracked me down and was trying to offer me a job 
And they were telling me that they don't they don't think I realized the importance of a first impression, hey. but I made a good first impression and nice. those things stick with people. So really uh, make a good first impression and also utilize the connections that you make after you um, have those initial introductions. I know we're all so busy. It's hard to keep track yeah. of each other, but you never know what cool thing another person's working on that you might also be interested in and that they might need your help with. Oh, sure. Um, and also communicate. I am a comm major, as I've mentioned <laughs> three million times, but just communicate with others and um, make sure if you are in school, ask your teachers questions, email them, talk to your classmates, get to know people, make yeah. study groups, really you know, if you want to be involved in your community and make a change, you need to go out and meet your community. Yeah. So I would say that's everything. Wow. What a good note to end on. That was very helpful. I'm sure our listeners who are in that stage of life where they're just starting their career are really going to be benefiting from hearing that great advice. Sage advice, I would say all of it is spot on. Um, I wish you the best of luck in this phase in your life and your ne your new job with Schneider Electric. Please keep in touch with us here and let me know how it goes. Uh, Ayanna Burton, it has been such a treat having you in the studio. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. I've got your community action calendar coming up in just a minute. Yes, lots of things you can do to get engaged in sustainability this week. So get your calendars out, my friends. Summertime in August feels like we're going to melt away. I've been working all the time and I need some holiday Watching all the clouds roll in, I'm dreaming of another place There's one thing I know for sure, it feels like rain Give me that sweet, sweet summer rain Come and wash away my blues again And we are back here on Sustainability Now on Forward Radio with me, Justin Mogg. I hope you've got your calendars out and your pencils sharpened, my friend. This could be your week to get engaged in sustainability right here in Louisville. So much going on. Uh, before I get to this week, I want to let you know that UofL is hosting a Body Project Summer Camp body positive summer programming for girls and it's taking place on june 16th june 23rd june 30th and july 7th 10 a.m to 11:30 a.m the reason i'm mentioning now is now is the time to get your girls registered for this uofl's eating anxiety treatment or eat lab will host this body positivity focused camp consisting of four free body project classes for girls between the ages of 11 and 18 the body project is a research-based program designed to help combat society's messages about 
about the appearance ideal. Classes will be held on UofL's main Belknap campus, and students will also fill out questionnaires to gauge how the program works. You can get more information and sign up at louisvilleeatlab.com. That's Louisville, E-A-T-L-A-B.com. Go under Participate in Research, and you'll find more information about the Body Project Summer Camp. You can also email them at bodyprojecthslouisville at gmail.com. Bodyprojecthslouisville at gmail.com. And the dates for that summer camp are June 16th, 23rd, 30th, and July 7th. So get registered now. Now, coming up this week on Tuesday, June 7th at 7 p.m. online, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth's political education series continues with Abolition 101, a virtual workshop. What is this topic of abolition and how do we move it forward and advance justice here in Louisville, Kentucky, and the U.S.? You can learn more on Tuesday at 7 to 8.30 p.m. online. It's organized by Kentuckians for the Commonwealth, free and open to anyone, anywhere. You can find the link to register at kftc.org slash events. This is also a week when you can volunteer with Trees Louisville. Even though the tree plantings have finished for the season, there's still a lot of work to be done to support our trees here in Louisville. You can learn more and sign up at treeslouisville.org slash volunteer. Or you can contact their volunteer manager, Morgan Grubbs, at 502-208-9421 or Email Morgan at morgan at treeslouisville.org. And the event's coming up this Wednesday, June 8th. They need volunteers from 9.30 to 11.30 in the morning to help mulch the Parkland Plaza at 28th and Dumanil. Help them prepare for the grand opening of the plaza by mulching street trees and flower beds on Wednesday morning. Uh, a little bit further down the road, they need volunteers on June 16th for some pruning at Newburgh Middle School. They'll be pruning 130 trees, looking for about five volunteers or more. On June 23rd, they'll be doing some tree pruning of 35 trees at Butler High School. On June 25th, they need volunteers from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. to serve in shifts at the Health and Wellness Festival taking place behind Portland Avenue Church of Christ at 2500 Portland Avenue on June 25th. And then on June 28th, they also need more volunteers to help prune 31 trees at Wagner High School. And on June 30th, they need pruning help at Fern Creek High School. Again, you can learn more and sign up at treeslouisville.org slash volunteer. Now, also coming up Wednesday, June 8th, in the late afternoon, uh, Kentucky Student Environmental Coalition is hosting a letter-writing party against the Bullock County LG&E Pipeline. And they're going to be doing it at 4.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. out in Shelby Park at 600 East Oak Street. To continue their support for the efforts to halt the lg pipeline in Bullitt County, KSEC is hosting this letter-writing party. It will be a fun evening where community members can write letters to elected officials asking for action on the issue, followed by an open mic to finish out the evening. They'll have paper, envelopes, stamps, and pre-written letters for anyone interested, and as always, they'll be providing food for everyone. You can learn more at kystudentenvironmentalcoalition.org. But there's no reason to pre-register anything. Just coming out Wednesday, June 8th, 4.30 to 7 p.m. in beautiful Shelby Park. 
Also, starting on Friday, June 10th, I want to let you know about a series called Zoning Matters, Conversations with a City Planner. They want to hear from you. These conversations are part of the ongoing Land Development Code Reform, LDC. The LDC Reform is an equity-focused approach to revise the LDC consistent with Plan 2040 to allow for increased housing choices and opportunities in new and existing neighborhoods to create procedures and regulations that are easier to use and increase the quality of life by reducing the concentration of environmental hazards near housing. Joel Dock from Louisville Metro's Office of Planning and Design Services will be available to answer questions about zoning, what it is, why it matters, and to discuss the ongoing LDC reform project. They want to hear from you about your neighborhood and discuss what the reform means for you. There'll be many conversations taking place from this week through September 6th, and I want to let you know about this week's event. It's Friday, June 10th, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. You can stop in and talk to Joel Doc at the Crescent Hill branch of the Louisville Free Public Library on Friday from 10 to 4.30. Uh, next up, they'll be at Highlands Shelby uh, Library in Mid-City Mall on Thursday, June 16th from 3 to 8.30 p.m. And many more dates to follow. You can learn more at louisvilleky.gov. Just search for Land Development Code Reform. Now, coming up on Saturday, June 11th, it is Love Your Neighborhood, and it's coming to the Parkland neighborhood with beautification projects, home repairs, street cleanups, and a community lunch. Volunteer opportunities will be available for all ages this Saturday, June 11th, from 8.30 in the morning until 3 p.m. with lunch at high noon. For volunteer information, you can contact Susan Vance at 502-805-2269 or svance at louisvillehabitat.org. Just coming out this Saturday the 11th, 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Parkland. Now... Coming up on Saturday, June 11th at 9 a.m., there will be a fanfare with elder resources and met proper medications disposal at the Edison Center, located at 701 West Ormsby Avenue in Old Louisville. It's from 9 to noon on Saturday. Louisville Metro's Office for Aging and Disabled Citizens and KIPTA Area Agency on Aging and Independent Living first created the fanfare back in 2016 in response to numerous calls they received for heat relief. Seniors and individuals with physical disabilities who live in homes without air conditioning or circulating air often face a greater risk of heat-related illnesses, especially as we continue to burn fossil fuels and warm the planet and reduce our urban canopy and pave the planet and put up more dark surfaces. All of that traps heat in our urban core. Well, free fans will be distributed at the fanfare on Saturday to seniors 60 and older, as well as individuals with physical disabilities on a first-come, first-served basis to all who live within Jefferson County. Whether permitting, the event will be held outdoors or indoors to allow for social distancing. To receive a free fan, proof of age, or documentation verified by a physician of a physical disability,
ability as well as proof of address will be required. One fan per household, which does not have functioning central air units. You can learn how to donate to the project or to qualify for a free fan at louisvilleky.gov slash fanfare, F-A-N-F-A-I-R. And that's Saturday, June 11th, 9 a.m. to noon at the Edison Center. Now, coming up next Monday, June 13th at 6.30 p.m., it's the 2022 Jefferson County Kentuckians for the Commonwealth Chapter Annual Meeting. It's going to be held in person at their Louisville office there in beautiful Smoketown at 735 Lampton Street. KFTC Chapters will be holding their annual chapter meetings this year in June, and the meetings are an important part of KFTC's democratic process where members have the opportunity to elect members to fill chapter leadership positions, to nominate members to serve on a KFTC statewide committee to decide whether or not to remain a KFTC chapter, and to review local work and set chapter goals. All chapter members are encouraged to participate in these annual meetings, and members are welcome and encouraged to nominate themselves or other chapter members to any leadership positions. You'll learn a lot by accepting one or more of these roles, and your involvement helps KFTC build power. Learn more at kftc.org slash events, and coming out Monday, June 13th at 6.30 p.m., 735 Lampton Street at the Jefferson County KFTC Chapters Headquarters. Also on Monday, UofL is kicking off their Juneteenth week of celebration that'll run June 13th through Sunday, June 19th. And UofL welcomes you to join them for the series of Juneteenth events. A variety of university sponsors present the second annual Juneteenth week of power and policy. Join us for this exciting week of events focused on the education and celebration commemorating the delayed emancipation of enslaved people in the U.S. on June 19th of 1865. Please go online and check out the full series of events and register at events.louisville.edu slash Juneteenth. And it, it starts on Monday the 16th at noon in the Cardinal Stadium PNC Club, or you can stream it online with a keynote. Mary Frances Berry, a PhD and renowned historian, writer, lawyer, activist, and professor who focuses on U.S. constitutional law and African-American history. You won't want to miss the Juneteenth Lecture ser Series on Monday at noon in the Cardinal Stadium or online. And then on Tuesday, the 14th at noon, there'll be a Juneteenth and Cash Bail Fighting for Freedom panel discussion focused on Juneteenth, Cash Bail, and racial justice work. That's going to be in the Porter Education Building, room 239, or available for streaming online. And there are more events happening next week you won't want to miss, so learn more at events.louisville.edu slash Juneteenth. And that is all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time my friends be well